You're listening to another Mariners podcast by the fans and for the fans with news and views on the Claret and Blues. Yeah, I know one, man. Have a listen. To everybody, whether you're here, whether you're listening in, wherever you are, hope everyone is, is safe and well. Alongside me, as usual, um, the man who just seems to be at my side more often than any other human being in the world, the one and only Ronnie Pete. Good Hi. evening, Ronnie. How are you? I'm all right, Chris. Yeah, I'm all right. You okay? You? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, I'm, right. I, I, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Uh, so, Ronnie, start the season. We've played nine league games, won five, drawn two, lost two. 17 yeah. points, third place. If someone had said to us in July, that's where we would be, I think you'd probably have said we were daft. <laughs> well... I think I'd always have confidence in the team. Yeah. And I think our home form's been sublime, to be honest with you. It's kept us going. Yeah. And I, but I think we've missed a couple of chances away, which is like, like really, really positive because if we get our away form right, we could be flying. Yeah. But to be third, you, you are right. Like third at this time, this early is fantastic. The away form though, that's the slight, you know, still at no away wins. Mm. But there should be two. When you think of Farsley and Darlington, oh yeah, um, Farsley penalty in the injury time, bit soft. Probably should have been more than one up. Yeah, Darlington. That was definitely two Absolutely. points dropped for me. Like, it was your birthday? Remember? I do remember running, and it was shit, wasn't it? I we had a romantic apart from apart from Angela's cake, which was yeah, and we had a romantic drink in the hotel. We had a romantic <laughs> drink in the Black Blackwell yeah. Rose Hotel or whatever took, it's called. Took ages Grinch. to Blackwell yeah. Grinch. Thanks, oh, Jeff. You were talking to Jeff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, you had a gin, gin and tonic, didn't you? Oh my. Vodka and vodka and tonic. But <laughs> it took ages to get served at the bar, but I just felt that um, that just added to the tension. <laughs> <laughs> but that, for me. For me, I just thought Julio made too many changes. <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> well, well, actually, well, he had to talk football, Ronnie. If you, you know, stop, stop biting, Sorry. stop biting your zip. Sorry, yes, uh, made too many changes. Yeah, and I think we missed a chance because I, all due respect to Darlington, no, no, I thought they were poor. And I think we, when we were doing the commentary, I can't believe you guys do that, by the way. We well, you were sober, weren't you? You were meant to be pissed. <laughs> I was, yes, um, but I wasn't because the you, you couldn't drink. Beer and, uh, but yeah. that shouldn't define us. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's like it's like a crash in it on a match day, really. Uh, no, <laughs> you look after. You do look after. You made that. I think that the the team selection. I think was based on rotation and I sometimes just think that managers just get a little bit too clever sometimes and uh, try and like think about the game ahead rather than winning the game in front of you and the thing that I think we were most annoyed about was some of the players in the midfield passing the book a little bit. Yeah, um, we'll touch upon that I think shortly in another facet of this. Um, you mentioned about rotation Maybe they looked at the data, you know, the GPS data. Mm. And I know they do study that. And maybe they looked at those who were looked, at, looked as though they were jaded. and Which, 
I mean, I don't. I, I agree with all of that, but I still think that it's the same for both teams. And and like, surely we are fitter than Darlington or should be. And and you win the get the game won, and then you make your changes. I just yeah. I think when when the um, three up front, uh, Martin Blackett came on, and I thought I thought Luke um, Luke James James had a really good game. He as did. Well. And uh, when they came on, mm-hmm. just made that whole difference. And we missed some sitters, though. We did. I, I just felt. Oh, remember that blackout? Because we couldn't really see. No, it was Luke James, wasn't it? No, the one that was closer to us. Oh, in the second half. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should have scored. But the, Luke James should have scored in the first half. Um, but too many changes. Um, but you cannot fault the home form. You, you cannot fault it. Uh, no, played 5 1 5. You can't do any better than that. I suppose you could. Score perhaps more. We should have scored more goals. Beating uh, Banbury four 0 should have been eight. The Scarborough game was a strange one for me because I was disappointed in Scarborough. I don't know what anybody else thinks, but I thought Scarborough were poor. Yeah, they were. And they ca- sorry. They had no atmosphere. No, it just felt well, we strange. Were in the, we were in the um, hush box. We were in the prawn sandwich. That's box. probably why there was no atmosphere. So big thanks to First Cloud, yeah. Fair, Mr. First Cloud, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had beef dips, we had chips, and and <laughs> prawn sandwiches, prawn and lots of alcohol. Yeah. Now this was the game where I, I really thought that um, Ronnie might need some marriage guidance. <laughs> I do believe. I mean, Louise is in the audience, and I, I don't know whether she should be worried or not, Ronnie, because uh, this relationship you've got with Robert Briggs just started. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> well, I was trying to break. Break the Guinness Book of World Records by giving a player man of the match who hadn't actually come off the bench. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dave Hartley asked us in our box to pick the man of the match, and um, Ronnie Pete was adamant it was Robert Briggs. Um, we gave it to Tom Broadbent, and that didn't go down well, did it? Well, we had an argument about that because um, people said Boney, but. You can't not give a man of the mask to someone that does a strike like that. Well, had he not scored that goal, the game would have finished nil-nil. Exactly. What a Because it, it, it was just a... Turgid. T- it was, yeah, it was, uh, looking back at it. In fact, Miles, yeah, clearly they wanted him to be man of the match because he had more saves to make. Yep. Yeah, we dominated the game. Yeah. He's had a good season, Miles, by the way. Been excellent, hasn't like, he? Something you were going to say before. But. No, 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 no. Um, he's been outstanding. He's he's um, he's dominated that six-yard box, which is what you want your goalkeeper yeah, yeah. to do. Brilliant. His shot stopping's been faultless. Um, his kicking's been better than it was in pre-season. Yeah. Um, I'm still convinced, actually, that it's that game against Harrogate pre-season, the six six nil or six one game, whatever it was, yeah. it's probably a turning point because I think it. It kind of focused eyes on what was needed. I mean, the midfield that day got completely destroyed, and then the following week they play Gateshead, and then the same Hassani and Abby. Oh, he's, yeah, you know, Hassani's been a revelation. I don't think um, I don't think you can take much out of friendlies like. No, but I think if we'd beaten Harrogate six 0 I think people would have thought yeah, we're going to go on to win the league. Excited, I. Uh, but I think. Um, I don't think I've ever took any notes of friendlies really. Mm. As I got as, as I've got older, yeah, I understood the game a bit. Yeah, but you were still wanting to give Robert Briggs man of the match in them, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> but actually, the, the new signings, I've written them down, you know, John LeFoudou, Paul Blackett, Luke James, Aaron Martin, Lera Kassani, Jed Abbey, CJ Clark. They've been, you know, improvements to, to last season's squad and they've made a massive impact already. Yeah. You know, um, Can we tell them the nickname for John? Go on, tell everybody what you've called John LeFoudou. Elastic John. Elastic John. Oh, isn't that a lovely it's name? tremendous. He just gets himself stuck in. Yeah, yeah. And when he falls over, he just springs back gets up. Gets back up. It's like Zebedee, isn't he? Elastic band. Uh, elastic John. It's like a... Like a character out of some sitcom in it, Elastic John. Yeah, he meant, uh, but he's which, what a such a good character he is though. Aye, must be great in the in the dressing room because you can just see he's full of life. Um, Blackett, good good up front, good movement. Luke James, it's been unfortunate that he's been injured and had because I think he's going to be mint. Yeah, Luke James, he played at Darlington. His movement and his control is just that little bit better than what we've had previously. Yeah, his awareness, his spatial awareness. But for me, Hassani's been my player of the season so far. He's been class. His energy, uh, his ability to win the ball back, but also he can pass the ball. And I think something we'll go on to about passing the ball, it's been positive. Yeah, yeah. There's, forward there's mostly. Forward mostly, where last year there was a lot of backward passing and there's less of that this season. I think we see on the commentary, uh, I just love players who play with like tiny shin pads. All right, like Tostao from Brazil and that. Aye, Grealish. Grealish. You go from Tostao to Grealish. How can you do that? From the past to the present. All right. For the listeners who are young and old, um, it's just they just seem to have a bit of uh, I don't know what's the word uh, spring about them, self confidence. Because they haven't got that heavy weight shin pad inside the. Because I used to do that because my legs weren't. Um, Strong enough when I play football to wear those pieces. You know what I like is CJ Clark. I, I, I haven't no, seen him. Yeah, I brilliant. think he came on on Saturday and his energy was was clearly there. And he's a he's a clever footballer. Um, so if you if you comp- if you look at those, I suppose in your best. And one thing you picked up on when we played Scunthorpe last week was that we played Briggs and Smith together in midfield. And even before the game, you said to me off the mic that you were worried. Yeah, um, they they were obviously the fittest side in the league, spent the most money, um, and we just didn't have any legs. Yeah, he just ran through us, mm-hmm. and uh, you, I don't think although you, everyone knows how I like Briggs, but you can't play. You've got to play one of them, Smith or Briggs. You can't play both of them, otherwise you just get overrun. Yeah, and then the pressure was on the defence and it looked like the defence were having a bad game but it was just because there was just waves of yeah. attack yeah. coming through um, so in your your best 11 you wouldn't play Briggs and Smith yeah correct you'd need someone with a in bit with a, like, so, so clearly what you're saying is you would have Briggs <laughs> well through between the lines yeah so Martin Smith's dumped <laughs> But then someone like Woodsy, away from home, yeah, he's got. We know what his engines like. Yeah, remember the couple of times last season, he kind of like, you thought he was like goosed, yeah, gassed, and the mm-hmm. next thing you know, he's 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 running the ball down in the opposition's corner. Aye, 
and that goalie got away to um, Liver's Edge. That was yeah, yeah. Uh, was a, a bit of a, a changer. Um, so it's been a, a really positive start to the campaign. And we're going to the FA Cup on Saturday, Bishop Auckland. Um, I think it's FA Cup draws go. It's not a bad one. I think you know you expect Shields to win that, and you'd want another home tie if you could. But uh, Bishop Auckland, three three divisions below. Uh, be Gary, nice to have another cup run, Ronnie. Gary Brown, isn't it? No, he's, he's West Auckland. It would have uh, been. It was you know had had West Auckland beat Bishop, it would have been. Oh, that would have been good to have him back. Mm, it would have been class. Aaron Martin up against Gary Brown would have been interesting. Oh. That's if he oh. that's it if he picks picks Aaron Martin. What a player Aaron Martin is. Mm. Such a strong player and the timing he has when he headers the ball, like this is that's what we've always been wanting for years. A target man who's actually good on the ball can jump his yeah. height. <laughs> Not yeah, like yeah. um we've had some players who can when they jump and head of the ball they're actually jump lower than the height. The gentleman alongside us who's coming oh, along shortly, he, 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 he jumped his height. Yeah, he can jump his height, yeah. Um, <laughs> Not now, though. But uh, <laughs> uh, you think of, I think the only other one who could actually, in, since, you know, you, you, you're talking about your Harmisons and all of that, who, you know, didn't win enough in the air, considering the height. The one who actually yep. could win it in the air, which makes it even, you know, gets us really wound up, was JJ Huber. Who, when he was on his game and he wanted to do it, could do it, but just didn't want to do it. We're not going down this road again. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but Blythe Spartans, of course, where he is with Cedric Main, they're going great guns as well. You know, in sixth place. Good, um, good Will McGowan, it seems to be. Um, aye. Pulling the strings and. Good and, on him. Uh, good on him. Jeff Dawson's in in the audience. Jeff, you were impressed with Will McGowan. Yeah, I went to see him play Farsley, uh, and. Uh, after our result against Parsley away, when in fact we should have won, apart from the penalty in the end, uh, I was expecting a bit of a tight game. Yeah. But from the word go, Clive just took them apart. Yeah. Playing a very high pressing game. Uh, they've got a fortuitous start. They've got an offside goal early in the game. Uh, when the centre forward main got a good goal. Yeah. But after that, I mean. Will scored two fantastic goals. He scored one from the edge of the penalty area, which reminded me of that kid that played for Sunderland last year, Ahmad. Yes. Came in from the right on his left footer, and he just curled it from, from the edge of the penalty area on the goalkeeper. Nobody could have done any better. Fantastic. But although, he, you know, the criticism, the criticism of Will McGowan's always been his height and his physicality. And although he got bounced around a bit, He's always up like straight away, like yeah. a rubber ball. And the other thing he's got, which Shields haven't got, in my opinion, he sees gaps in the back four and he slots balls through for the attackers to jump onto. We haven't got that kind of player. Like an archer. Yes. I'll yeah. probably give him high praise there, but that kind of idea, when he gets the ball, he's 10 yards outside the penalty area, he'll find a gap and somebody's out of it. Yeah. Has he, he got has he got anyone in the Blythe midfield to like be the enforcer to look after him or like? Well, it didn't seem short of anything really. You know, it was only one game. I appreciate, and half the time it was thick and foggy. You'd hardly see. <laughs> but uh, front to back, they seemed very competitive, very organised. Bodmin was solid. Uh, but having said that, for 
Farsley looked as if they just got off the bus. Well, I felt at Farsley, they had two big centre-halves, yeah. two big centre-forwards, and played direct That's and worked hard. That's the way I looked at Farsley, and I, I, I looked at them and thought they're going to struggle because you kind of keep doing that every week because other teams will be able to deal with that. How many uh, times were we offside that game? I know. Well, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a... Discipline, isn't there? I think we, when we commentate... It just seems to be like a, a broken record. Jordi Mongoy's offside. Jordi Mongoy's offside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, which needs to be an offside. That needs to be put right as well. He's the weak link in the team. Yeah, I, <sighs> go on, Ronnie. No, you do. <laughs> Ronnie, he's not. Ronnie's not having Jordi Mongoy. He's not having him. He's not having him. No. I think he's improved the season. Yeah, he has. He has. To be fair to the kid. Um, Nine. Really weak away from home, especially that Barcelona game. Made so many mistakes down that side. Just, you know, it just didn't seem the right right game for him. Really. Do you think? Do you think maybe we're giving home teams a little bit too much? Um, what's the word I'm looking Respect. for? Respect. Do you Probably. think? With we being new to the league and we're going away from home, maybe he's giving them a little bit too much. Thinking that they're going to be better than what they actually are, because although Scunthorpe were good, they're not world beaters. It was a close game when we went when we uh, when it was two. I can see us beating them here. Yeah. It was unfortunate that we we uh, didn't score that goal. Uh, who was it that had a shot and just parried out for the goalkeeper made a good save on the line. So, uh, oh, it was, uh, in the second half. Yeah. Broadbent. Possibly. Broadbent went through. Right. There was another chance as well where the uh, where the goalkeeper uh, oh it wasn't it was a defender that spilled it out yes why didn't was it Aaron was it Aaron Martin on the on the ball possibly why didn't he have a shot first time the goalkeeper Aye. Wasn't, wasn't even in the net Aye. He just didn't uh, I, th- I think you've got a point about I think we're just a little bit cautious about playing away yeah but when we're at home we just seem to be able to it's making for a better match day experience did, I mean did you, they you change the system when they play away. No, not too much. I just think we're giving teams too much respect, and we're kind of start off on the back foot. I think we do. You know. We were overrun. We felt as though we were being overrun at Scunthorpe last week. The first twenty minutes felt like it was like an avalanche, mm. and then all of a sudden we switched on, and then we just got into the game. Once we're it's in like the game, we were more they, than. It's like they believe that they deserve to be there. Ah, ah. Scunthorpe will. It'll be like we were last season with the, like the target on their back. Yeah. I really hope they stay down. <laughs> everyone will want to beat them, and we know how that feels like. Mm. Um, and it's really hard. It is hard. And uh, in the ball, like a lot of players, who wouldn't have bedded in yet. So, so all in all, you know, it, it, you know, look at the home form. I don't know how anybody else feels. I just think it's nice to be able to go at the game and be entertained again. Like, there wasn't much entertainment last year.
Uh, yeah. I don't know whether it's just building up confidence in that passing or what it is, but all it allows is for the, the other team to get everybody behind the ball before you transition. There is a point there. Yeah, yeah. but I, what's impressed me is the fact that there are less backward passes. Mm. There are less square passes than last season. You know, I'm not saying there's none, but compared, if you look at last season and now, there is a, there seems to be a lot more positivity in the play. Less square balls. Yeah, at home. At home, yeah. It's a good um, transition that the way. Mm -hmm. We're in, we're in business. Of course, well, the proof will be in the pudding because the next it's Peterborough away, isn't it? Peterborough water sports. Peterborough water sports. Um, so, aye, they've, they've had to make ground improvements, haven't they? Um, one thing I picked up, I was just going through programme from Saturday, just double checking a couple of facts. Gary Little's already on four yellow cards. Is there a is there a, a tot up? Is it 10? 10 cards and then you get one game. Because in, in the professional game, it's five, isn't it? Is it five in the professional game? In the professional game, it's five. He's on four already? I think they might have changed the rules. How, how was he on four yellow cards? Well, on Saturday, he made yet another error on the ball. Mm. Yeah. And to be fair to him, you know, rather than let the man go through and score, he took him down. Aye. But you see, again, I've only seen it on a little screen on, on, a, on a phone. Well, he seems to have done that a couple of times in the way matches and cost us dear. Yeah. So that's a bit of a worry. Yeah. I think a, you can depend on Little. He, he knows what he's doing. The only thing wrong that could go wrong with him is his, his legs go. Yeah, because he's 37 he, now. Like he's that, a, that's a good age. He's yeah. a, he's a very, very good yeah. and consistent yeah. player. He knows what he's doing. Mind how many games he's but yeah. then if you're, if you're playing away from home and you're exposing them by play, playing... People who can't really run. Yes, it yeah, goes back to what you said earlier. It's then he, he makes his life harder, doesn't it? Yeah. So on Facebook here, talking about um, centre half, Alfie Marion's got a heat in Stannington. Aye. I didn't set it on loan. On loan. He's going to be. He's going to be a player, Alfie. I tried. I tried sending you that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Just being in the house for about ten minutes. Still learn how to control the ball there because it's a horrendous pitch. Did he? Oh, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Is he the defender that played at uh, Sheldon away? In pre-season? Yeah, the young kid. I quite like him. He's a good prospect. Mm -hmm. He played at home, didn't he? He played one of them. He played Gateshead, didn't he? Yeah. He played against Gateshead. Looked very good. Ah, he's a good very prospect. Good. Big lad and he can only get better. Yeah. Um, so playing on those type of pitches, you'll have to get better pretty quickly. He's got a bit of a strange manager up there as well. I'd say no more. He's green around the houses. So, a good start of the season, but um, with us being a, with us going on the road, we thought it would be decent to get a, a guest in. More than decent. Aye. Yeah. We thought we thought of this gentleman at the weekend. We thought aye, and you said aye. I'll get in touch oh, with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. So, <laughs> the gentleman on our left who's just said thanks is actually a. Well, he, don't want to sound melodramatic, but he's actually a legend of South Shields Football Club. Um, I grew up watching him. Um, not that I'm, not that he's loads and loads older than me, but um, I did a little bit. A little bit. <coughs> um, I watched him score 
shed loads of goals at Jack Clark Park, at Filtrona Park, um, and he's one of the club's all-time leading goal scorers. So delighted to, to welcome to the Mariners podcast the one and only Paul Thompson. Thank you. First of all, Paul, um, thank you for coming along. No problem. I've, How? En- I've enjoyed just sitting here listening to you. Just, not seriously, just talking about football and, and I watched those shields a few times last season and it was boring. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't fun to come along and watch it and I was bored watching it. But it was very, what you would say, academy-like these days. Mm-hmm. Passing the ball, keep the ball sideways. There was no attacking intent, which I was shocked at because the manager was Kevin Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a big hero of mine because obviously being a Sunderland fan, you would go to watch Kevin Phillips and Kevin Phillips, right, legend at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the best player I've ever seen in the Sunderland show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but watching it last season was tedious. Yeah. Um, I would imagine it is probably, I've seen him a couple of times this season, but it was before they'd signed these players. Um, and it didn't seem as though it was a lot better. However, over watching Shields over the last couple of years, the one thing they do lack is the centre forward. Yeah. The the guy who's going to get you 25, 30 goals a season, then you're guaranteed to 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 win promotion, to win leagues, and they've seemed to have lacked that for numerous years now. Which is where obviously the the additions of Aaron Martin and Aaron Paul Blackett, we've seen a difference. Well, well, goal difference is plus eight already. Um, when you consider we have conceded a few goals. It, it, it's pretty good. First I think of all, Aaron Martin's got bravery. Yeah, he has. We haven't seen a lot of that. Yeah, you know, like just he's gonna put his head wherever he, yeah. he needs to. You know, to get the ball. And he jumps his height. Jumps his height and, and he, above he can finish as well. It's Which you did, Paul. It helps when you're six foot four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ben Harmus. Ben Harmus in six foot six, but he jumped at four <laughs> foot three, didn't he? And I, uh, to be fair, you know, I played with a lot of good players and. I was taught at an early age, being a big centre forward, you play on the back post. And that's and players used to know where I was, put balls to the back post, I was there. See, I've got to finish them, and I did. Mm-hmm. I played with lots and lots of good players who knew where I was going to be. Um, so in terms of your career, Paul, I know you, you're, you're an ex-South Shields footballer, but you didn't start there. Um, where did football start for you? My, my football no, football started two minutes up the road there, Simon Side School, 1979. I got picked to, to represent the school team, moved on from there. I went to Brinkburn School. Whilst at Brinkburn School, I represented Durham County. I played with Clyde Mendonca. Me and Clyde ah, Mendonca yeah. played up front together. Um, he, was a, he, he was a hell of a finisher. You know, I played up front with him, played him a couple of times, played against him. Remember, we played a massive match. We played Sunderland because our South Tyneside football team, the, the junior team, or our town team, was what was one of the best in the area. Mm-hmm. We had sixteen lads at that time who were in that squad. Of that, of them, sixteen lads, ten of them went on to professional clubs, myself included. Mm-hmm. And it, it's ironic, really, because there was ten of us, and none of us ever like played in a first team at a professional club. Wow. Played reserve team football, obviously academy level football, but nobody ever played in the first team, which was strange bearing in mind how good our town team was. Yeah. Then uh, obviously, I mean, my, I always wanted to say for Sunderland, without shout out, I was a Sunderland fan all my life. I went went to Sunderland on trial, I think it was 1984. Um, 
Sunderland didn't offer us a contract that offered us schoolboy forms, but that didn't guarantee us an apprenticeship. I went to Middlesbrough, the letters and we booked there still from Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough were desperate to sign us. However, in 1984 was the time when Middlesbrough could have possibly gone bust. Yes. So I remember talking to my dad about it. My dad says, hang fire. So we went, went on trial at Newcastle. Um, and in the end, I signed for Newcastle in 1984. Started training with them. Um, good story. My first ever game, I was 15 year old. And uh, we played Rotherham United away. And obviously being 15 and there was lads older than me. However, Paul Gascoigne was playing. So in the game, Paul Gascoigne has poked one of their players in the eye. So <laughs> literally ran past him, poked him in the eye. Colin Suggett's the manager. He's shouting at Gaza, Gaza, don't do it again. There's the referee with his yellow cord, don't do it again. So the game's going on. Gaza, referee's not looking. What does he do? He goes and pokes a kid in the eye again. <laughs> Fortunately, the referee hasn't seen this one. Tama, get warmed up. So the claim to fame was, I went on for Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> because he was running around poking people in the eye. <laughs> but he, honestly, you know what it is? The same guy gets a lot of stick, but I'll tell you what, he's the, he's the best footballer I've ever played with. And he was, he was such a lovely lad as well. He, he, he was, honestly, he had a heart of gold. He would do anything for you. He was a great lad, and he was just daft. He, yeah. was, he was immature, he was daft. But what a player. He was a brilliant, brilliant player. So you, so was that the youth team that uh, was involved? Was, was Joe Allen in it? Darren yeah, Melville? Well, yes. What happened was in, well, 19, 1984, Newcastle United won the FA Youth Cup with the likes of Joe Allen, with the likes of Paul Gascoigne, to name a few. The following year, 1985, I obviously left school. And I say, and that was my first season as an apprentice footballer. So I remember that season because it was like they'd won the FA Youth Cup in the first round we got drawn against Barnsley at home. And that night for Barnsley was a lad playing called David Hurst who went on to yeah, play for England. Yeah, yeah. So they took they took the lead, David Hurst scored the first goal for them. And I remember the, it was the days when you could pass the ball back to the keeper. And the lad, one of their set of horse, passed the ball back to the keeper and nipped in, got it, crossed his bogey scored, one one. Second half probably one of, well, if not the best goal I've ever scored in my life. I remember there was a lad, you'll probably remember him, a lad called Paul Stevenson who played on the right wing for Newcastle. Dark hair. Yeah, yeah, and he put this cross in, and I just remember flinging myself out the front post on the Gallagher end, and like, I scored, it was an unbelievable hit, and then I've gone up like that to the Gallagher, and there's no one there. <laughs> <laughs> they're all sat behind the dugout, you know, all the people who were there, mate. Like, that was, was a lad that had been there. We won that game 3-1, but then we played Coventry City in the next round and we got beat off Coventry City, um, and Coventry City went on to win it. So that was 85, 87 I got released by Newcastle, didn't make the grade. Um, one, well, another interesting story was when I was at Newcastle. On leaving school in 1985, they sent me to Northern Ireland. Well, you can imagine, can't you? 16-year-old mm. with, with getting the ferry across to Northern Ireland. We're playing in the Northern Ireland Cup. So we've got off this ferry, walking down the ferry. There's armed guards everywhere, tanks, police with dogs. You're like, bloody hell, what the hell? Anyway, we've played, honestly, we've played round after round after round. We've played this team in the quarterfinal. We're called TriStar, all IRA youth members, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, we went 1-0 up, 
we went 2-0 up, scoring the second goal, I hit it shoulder, so I've had to come off. As I've come off, I've gone into the change room and there were literally these supporters of this tri-star banging on the window. You're English such and such, we're going to F and kill you mm -hmm. and, and on to you, it was scary. Oh, but anyway, 16, we got to, 16 year old, right? oh. we got to the final and won the Northern Ireland Cup. Was Paul Ferris around then? Paul Ferris was, yeah, Paul Ferris was there. Um, he was a pro then. Yeah. He, was a, he was probably about three years older than me. Mm -hmm. A player who, but for injury, could have been an all-time yeah. great. Yeah, um, he had a lot of injuries. But even yeah. when I was there, he was injured a lot. When you he, he didn't know Paul Ferris was at Newcastle United. He's a physio now. Was yeah. a, he, well, he's a, he became a, a, a physio. Um, he's, a an, lawyer, he's a lawyer. He's a barrister. Yeah. Um, but for injury, but if he, he's got a book out, the boy on the, the boy on the shed, and. It's well worth a read if you haven't. It's a fantastic. My daughter bought us it, and uh, it's an incredible book. It's a really riveting read, but it's also quite harrowing and uh, and upsetting at times. But of course, you, you just said, Paul, you know, Newcastle did release you, and there's a. I think it's a different world now with with academies. And there weren't academies in those days. There were youth teams, and you were you were apprentices, or and then YTS came along. And there's a lot of football. Young kids now struggle. When they get released from club, because they've been part of academy since they were seven and eight, they think they're going to make it, even though they're told they might not. It's in your head. Totally. And they're, they're really, we've had them here. They've lots really struggled. Them, you know. Yeah, how I, did you? How did you transition? It was well. To be fair, I knew in my heart parts that I hadn't, I hadn't cut it. Right. So what I did was on, on leaving Newcastle. I left early. I could have stayed till the end of the season, but I wasn't getting in the team. So I decided to go back to the job league. I would start playing in the job league again. And I played for Jarrell St. Beads, tried to get me confidence back a little bit. Um, till the end of 1987, well, the end of that 1987 season, 86, 87. And then it was funny because in 1987, people think I come to Shields, what, 89 under Tom Manson? But I actually didn't. I came in 87 when we had a manager called Jim Dixon. Right. Jim Dixon was a, a bucket boy at Sheffield United. And I'm not kidding, right? Well, Brian's brother, Jim Tate, used to play for Shields there. I did, I. And he was a nice fella, uh. but he used to go to training and it was rubbish. <laughs> Honestly, it was terrible. So, we, uh, I remember I played at a game, I played against Anfield, playing at Jack Clark Park, and I scored the winner, and we won 1-0. Played the following week, and then two weeks later, I went to Washington. And I'm not kidding, the changing room was probably just the size of this bit where we're sitting here. There was 24 players in that changing room, right? 24, you know. So in the end, he named the squad 17. I wasn't in the 17. So I'm thinking, well, you know. And to be fair, when you've played football all your life, all you want to do, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm 18 year old here. I need to move on. I want to play there because I wasn't going to get back to squad. There was lots of old heads in that team. The likes of mm -hmm. Davy Tate, the likes of Jim Tate, the likes of John Ray. And I thought, nah, this is not going to work. So I ended up going to Brinkburn for a couple of years, and I played for Brinkburn for a couple of years, banged a few goals in. For Sonny Hobson? Yeah, Sonny. Um, great, great times. Lovely lads, lovely people. And then I'll never forget it. I was out training one night, and I get back home after training. And uh, my missus at the time, the ex-missus, she said to her, she says, oh, there's been a phone call for you. I says, all right, who was that? She went, Tom Manson's been on the phone for you. I went, oh, Tom. I went, I was like, Tom name rings a bell but South Shields manager she says she's going to phone you back so anyway he phoned us um, and I signed for Shields and I signed it, it was just before Christmas 1989 still playing at Jack Clark Park and 
I, I mean, Tom Manson was a brilliant book. Honestly, uh, I, I loved the guy. He, he was good cracking the cheeses. We used to wait, and he stood no crap. No crap. He's quite a fearsome looking character. He was. Some but, might say. But you know, Anthony you know is he was he was a character. Okay. And like he always used to call everyone big galoots. You big galoot, you had a good game. He would never give you proper praise. He was like that. But you knew when he liked you and he was he was a good bloke and he, he honestly he was a top man and I've I've always I've always had utmost respect for him. Like most of the Shields managers, we've had they had some good managers when I was there. And um, obviously I spent a couple of years at Jack Clark Park. That first season when I watched Shields, we went on this run. And yeah. if uh, if we if we just started a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. and I remember going to the last game of the season, I played half a season, and Davy Tate was on twenty five goals, and I was on twenty two. And in my heart, I'm thinking I'm not going to catch him. Anyway, as the game went on, I got three. He got one, so it was twenty six twenty five. I got another one, twenty six twenty six. And I'm not kidding, there was about eight minutes to go. In typical Davy Tate, he's getting the ball, he's running past five players, stuck it in the top corner, turned to us and went, you're not going to get a top goal scorer <laughs> this season. So. so that was that. And then we went on the next season, we had a good season, and we eventually moved down here. But then Tom resigned, which was a bit of a ball out the blue. But then things changed. It was unbelievable. And probably some of the older guys in the other night, remember a guy sent a half who played for South Shields in the 60s in the 70s called Bobby Elwell yeah. who was a tough man um, and he came in and he built this team up and to be fair after the start we'd had of the season we, we weren't great but then all of a sudden we went on this run 20 games or something and we're just winning and winning and winning and to see what's going on at South Shields Football Club now doesn't surprise us because even back then the potential was always there. Yeah. And we got to the stage where we played Hartlepool Town away. It was the second last game of the season. And we had to beat them to win, or pretty much win the league, because the last game was a bit of a, a penalty kick, if you like. Mm-hmm. So we've gone to Stockton because there was something wrong with it down. And I still remember coming out at Stockton that day. And it was amazing. That end, that side, and behind the goal, there was hundreds of people there from South Shields. Yeah. We went 1-0 down, 1-1, 2-1, 3-1, and then honestly, you'd think we'd won the World Cup at the end of the match. We're getting lifted off the pitch, and it was fantastic. And then we come down here, and we played them again two weeks later, and there was 1,500 people there watching the game. And we beat them in the cup final. We did the double that year, 93, um, under Bobby Elwell. Um, And it was an unbelievable season. But then the following season, Bobby's the manager again. First training session, I'll never forget it. We've come down here. So you imagine pre-season training, you just expect a run. Pre-season training. So we've come down. I remember walking down the road here. I'm getting outside, just getting outside the old change rooms at Phil Trona. And this this there's this gate said Harrier. And he's giving it all this and he's doing these stretches. And, and we're looking and we're thinking, oh no, what's gonna happen here tonight? So Bobby says, right lads, get your trainers on. So we're just thinking, you know, like first training session, little casual run. Might do a couple of miles or something like that. He says, right, lads, tonight we're going to run from here to the Mars and Grotto and back, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was the first training session, right? So that's what Bobby Elwell had to do that night, but I'll tell you what, what fit. And we started the season off reasonably well, but then it fell away. And then typical, I don't want to call John, but John, we weren't going to win nothing that season, John Rundle, so he's just gone, right, gone. So he's had a bit of a word with Bobby Elwell. 
Kenny Parker, who was another ex-South Shields player, was his yes. assistant. And he got rid of the two of them. So that was my first taste of uh, South Shields caretaker manager, if you like. That was the first time I did it. Moving on, I did it again and again. I've done it three times. Different managers, got the bullet over the years. Um, and then, 95, was it 95? 95, I left. Different circumstances. I would won the league that year, 1995. I scored 57 goals that season oh. and got dropped for the last game of the season. Oh. Now, if you can work that one out, because uh, even even Derek Middleton, who was the assistant manager, was like, because Peter Fein was the manager at the time, yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously he had a really good season, we'd won the league, and then the last game of the season, we've got to Hartlepool again. We'd won the and I'm thinking, and he, yeah, he left us out, and Derek went, you can't leave your top goal, and I was obviously club captain. So, what that was one of the reasons what, why, what, what he do? never ever gave us a reason why he did it. You didn't do anything wrong? No, nothing. You nothing was just... Thursday night do you know what it is? On this Saturday, right, I played with Herring and Corey Welfare and I got like a massive grass burn on my knee and that was one of the excuses that was rude, uh, or used and I thought, well, no, nah, not really. No. Um, I could have still, you know, I wanted to play. It was the last game of the season. Yeah. So that was that. So 95, I left. Had two or three years at Jarrah Ruffin. I always, always wanted to finish my career at South Shields because it was the, the team in my heart. So I think it was 99, Stevie Kendall was manager. Um, came back and to be fair, it was the worst South Shields team I've ever played in. We were terrible that season. Mm -hmm. um, we finished bottom. We got relegated. Um, and then Willie Ferry and John Gamble came in. Well, honestly, we started that season off on fire, Northern League 2. Yeah. We were banging the goals in, we were tearing teams apart. And then, I don't know what happened, but it seemed to fall, the wheels came off a little bit in the second part of the season. So typical John, right? Willie, John, you're out. Then two <laughs> gone again. So that was another manager gone. So it was caretaker manager again. <laughs> so it was caretaker manager. And then he brought this bloke, and I'm not going to mention names, but he was probably one of the... How old were you then at this point? Um, this was about 2001, so I was 30, 33 years old, pushing 34. I was struggling with me knee up and we got to a cup final that season. We played, honestly, I was getting the lads out of the pub to play. Literally, South Shields Football Club. And I was dragging, lads, come and play. Because it's you, I'll come and play. Phoning people up who hadn't played for years. Mm -hmm. Good friend of mine, Peter Haswell, prime example. 40-odd-year-old, Peter, will you help us out? And he, he travelled all the way down to Norton, bless him. And he played in this game for us and that's how bad it was. That's how bad wow. it got. So anyway, the following season, we came. And I knew this manager, who the John had brought in. Yeah. And I, honestly, I just I couldn't get rid of him. He says, right, I'm coming in. We're going to win the league, right? We're going to win the Vars. We're going to win the Durham Challenge Cup. No, right? Sounds, <laughs> sounds like a good plan to me. Anyway, it didn't start the season very well. I retired. I'd had enough. Um, he took us off one game, half-time, winning one. Then I'd scored the only goal, took us off. No explanation, just... Okay, <laughs> and this guy was just nah. Um, and needless to say, he uh, he didn't last much longer. He yeah. resigned. With uh, I've got work commitments, so he resigned because mm. he a he wasn't going to win the league. B he wasn't going to win the balls, and C he had no chance of winning the Durham Senior Cup because we got knocked out in the first round, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was that. Um, so of all the all the years that you played at Shields, <coughs> and I, my memories are of the. The very early 90s, um, under Tom Manson, um, and it just seemed to be a... He got players to play for Shields that, like Mickey Cody, 
Mickey Carroll. Brilliant players. Just I'm, unbelievable from levels that... Mickey Cody, Mickey Cody, I've always said this. When people ask me who's one of the best players, or if not the best player you have ever played with, it was Mickey Cody. He was an absolute fantastic centre-half. Centre-half. And you know what it is as well? What a lovely, lovely guy he was as well. Bearing in mind the same guy was a diabetic, mm -hmm. which not a lot of people knew. And I've seen him before games, oh, I need a bit of Mars bar, a little drink of Lucasade. And that guy, every single week, would put his body on the line yeah. for the team. And he was just a brilliant, brilliant centre-half. Um, he started at Sunderland, I'm sure. He did, and he, he broke did, his leg twice. Yeah, he was Sunderland. Yeah. 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 And he, he, he was bordering first team, and then he broke his leg, and he come back, and then he broke his leg again. And in them days, obviously, such and such a bad injury, he had to retire from the professional game. Mm -hmm. But I, Tom Manson brought him in, and he, honestly, what a player, brilliant player. Mickey Carroll on the right-hand side. Mickey Carroll was another one. You played up front, Mickey would put it on a sixpence for you. Aye. You would just get in the box, and you knew he would put the ball on your head, or on your foot, or whatever. He was a cracking player, absolute cracking player. Was John Turnbull in that team? No. What, what Tucker. Tucker Turnbull. John was before that. Was he? Yeah. Um, getting all my memories rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> now we had the, the likes of Mickey Cody, and when I first came, the likes of Alan Weir was playing. Alan Weir, excellent. David Tate, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terry Linney, Tony Galloway. Yeah. Tony Galloway was my, was my favourite player for a spell right back Tony was uh, just classed down the right brilliant one he got on the front foot and he got you forward all the time did I good golfer as well I think aye he's a nice lad as well Tony do you, do you ever keep in touch I mean you, you know there's one or two I know that you do but of all the of all the players do, do you keep in touch with many of them or because it's it's difficult it's, <laughs> there's lots and lots there's lots and lots of players over the years and fortunately in time Facebook's coming aye. so you keep in touch with the lads on Facebook you might bump in a hard few lads every now and then. And no, they don't, but I think what when before we started this tonight, I was talking to you about something. Now I was I was at Newcastle United for three years. I never played in the first team. Mm -hmm. Right? However, Newcastle United have got an ex players union and every year you get invited up. I seen you on the metro. Yeah. You get invited up to a game and you, you get a, a meal and you, you get uh, class seats in the in the director's box and you get to see the game and it's like I was saying to you earlier on South Shields Football Club it's brilliant what's happening now right? And, and it's good for the area and it's good for the town and it's good for people who want to go and watch it however let's remember the people who have made South Shields Football Club over the years not just the present day it's like the, the people have forgotten about mm -hmm. there's lots and lots of good guys I mean I was just a player for nine, nearly ten years, off and on. But there is people down here who like the Janet Honeymans, the Davy Falls of the world, mm -hmm. the Phil Rays, the Bob Scotts. They were the guys who were there when I was still playing. Yeah. You know, and when I first started playing in the late eighties, and these are the guys who are the legends down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've got all the time in the world for them. I did have them, and I still have now. And thankfully, Both. they thankfully they have had some recognition. Thankfully. Yeah, totally. But I still think as well, I think, again, I would like to see South Shields Football Club remember the ex-players. Yeah. Have a little union. Have it like an ex-South Shields, you know, ex Shields football night together. Yeah. Put the advert out there. Put it on Facebook. And again, you know, it's, 
wherever you want to do it. You can have it in here, you can have it down at Phil Trona. Get people involved. Yeah. Don't just forget about them. This is the history of South Shields Football Club. Because it is a, it's a, as we know, it's a very rich history. And the one, the one player that I'm going to ask you about, um, who was just for, for us at that stage, he was different, <coughs> as we call it now, different gravy. Up front, uh, Steve Harkas. Because, I mean, w- was there a spell where it was yourself, Harkey, and Mick Taylor? Yeah, yeah, there was. There was um, when I first was, was when, when I first signed for Tom Manson. I think it was the second season. Tom brought Mick along. Steve was already with us and myself, and then he brought Mickey in. So he had the three of us. Um, if I remember that right, Mickey moved on. He went elsewhere. So well, Durham City, two. Well, I think City. possibly was yeah. So they ended up the two of us. Um, obviously built a good partnership. Scored a few goals down the years, and that's what people often talk about when they uh, when they see and their goals and you know, what goal scorers. Never professed to be the best player in the world, but I scored goals. But Steve went on to play conference football. Yeah. Gateshead, and but just for those of you who don't know, I mean, we're talking about if that front three today would would score probably. Well, it's a different game now. It's different. You kind of. But if a front line like that would be lethal, would still be getting fifty goals. goals between you. Score goals. Was Harkness at the, the, the professional club when he was young as well? No, no, no. no. He, he actually worked with my father-in-law at Davy Row. Nice. Uh, and uh, but he, he tried the semi-pro because at that at that stage, Shields were Northern League, Gateshead were Conference, and right. he, he tried he, he tried his he tried his luck. He went to Gateshead. When, when you think back, Chris. To the, the 80s, the 90s, round here, the Monga centre forwards there was was unbelievable, who were fantastic goal scorers. Obviously, the likes of Hawkey and myself, you had Stewie Wright, who mm-hmm. was banging them in at heaven. Yeah. You had Mickey Haley, who was a fantastic centre forward, banging goals in left, right, and centre. You had a kid who played for the Nook called Dougie Bell. Dougie Bell. He used to get a lot of goals as well. Yeah. Dougie. You know, there was lots and lots, of, and I don't know why it just seems to be a bit of a dying art. I, d- I just don't get it. Is it the style of football people play now? I think it is. I just don't know. I don't know. Right. I think it's instead of just snap up that kid from Burton. Mm. Yeah. Aidan Rutledge. He got 50 odd goals last season, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's a kid. He got well. He scored against us pre-season. Uh, no, he's got he's got 50 odd goals last season. It doesn't matter what level you play, that 50 odd goals is a hell of a lot. He scored, oh, a totally. he scored a cracking was a cracking header against us pre-season Aiden. Um but the game has changed it's a different you know and now I, when I played you were told to hit the wings yeah. hit your wingers get your crosses in your centre forward and put them in that was a simple game Fourth, we played 4-3-3 we played 4-3-3 that's all we played you go to football now you want to be entertained don't you yeah you know you're you're totally right, mate. Eh? You're totally right. It's boring. Well, that's academy football for you now, though. The, the, the kids who've got the talent, you want to see the talent. You don't want to see them getting a the touch of the ball and passing it sideways, passing it backwards. You want guys who are playing on the front foot. Yeah. I think with the likes of Orca, that's probably why it's improved this season. Definitely. I was shocked with the likes when I came down last year three or four times and I watched it. And I, There's lots of my friends coming down here. And they were saying, oh, will you come again next week? I was like, no, I can't watch that. 
No. It was so boring. It was turgid at times. You know, you, you want to go to a game and watch goals and yeah. shots and attacking players, and, and it was just there was just nothing. We talked to uh, Tommy Miller on a yeah, yeah. podcast that he's helped him Julio, mm-hmm. and he's been at Spending Moor for what five years? Yeah. And his um, mantra was, "You've got to attack. Yeah. You've always got to be on the front foot," because he's been in this league for so long. He knows that if you attack, you'll get somewhere and not be passive. Yeah. And I think we're being passive away from home, but I'm, I've got faith in Taylor, uh, Tommy, that will, you will put that right. The appointment for me, the appointment of Tommy Miller was a very important one. Yeah. Bringing Julio in was a sure. great coup. It, you know, it's another feel good type of thing when you think of what happened with Kevin Phillips, bringing Julio in, but the, Tommy Miller. Who was a, a shot and colliery lad? He's a northeast lad, he, and he, from what we can gather, he's he's worked the arses off the players pre-season, yep. and he's you know I, I I still don't think they're as fit as he wants them to be. Yeah. But he worked their arses off in the summer, uh, because he was that kind of player. Do you not think as well though with that Tommy Miller obviously being an outsider looking in, he knows the league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously Orca coming in. With his, his first ever job, really, he is, huh? he's needed someone alongside of him, like Tommy Miller, who knows that level of football. Yeah. And obviously, it's, it's probably you know bouncing off things off each other. Do you know what of I mean? Yeah. Which is good, and it's obviously helping Orca, and it'll hopefully bring him on. Yeah. Which could only be good for the club. It can only be good, and and um, but your what you said there about last season, you know, about the football. I was like, you're not the only one. There was other. There's friends of mine who came and. Said uh, the day out was great, but the game was boring. And mm-hmm. but what's the point of coming if the game? Yeah. That yeah. ninety minutes on the pitch is the product you're paying for. Yeah. And it needs to be. It needs to be right. Which so far this season, I don't know what you feel, but it feels a bit more like a day out again. Of course, it it's a yeah. day out again, and you're watching some decent football. Aye. That yeah. season was like anxiety football because we knew it if was. It didn't get promoted. The pressure was massively yeah. on, wasn't it? Yeah. You see, as well. I mean. I think something else we were talking about or I mentioned to you. I, I don't I don't get why South Shields Football Club have not got a reserve team. Yeah, yeah. Now I just don't get for me they miss a trick. Mm. Because if you've got a reserve team, all these academy players, they don't have to go out on loan. Yeah. The lads who are not yeah. playing in the first team can yeah. play in the reserve team. Now whether I mean the Reside League's terrible now. It it's is. rubbish. We could get a but, game there. In the well, West, I think you're probably right, Chris. Oh, good. But to be fair, they've got they've got to start somewhere and playing against men. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. he's getting Northern League too. Yeah. And then you, these kids, because you've got kids. I mean, that like Alex was here last year, going out on loan. No disrespect to the Jarrows of the world. If you want them to play for South Shields Football Club, bring them up in the style of the way South Shields Football Club want to play. Not Jarrow, yeah. not Bolden, yeah. mm-hmm. not these other teams. They have different styles of the way South Shields Football Club want to play. Yeah. Have a reserve team, but also I've said all along, you've got Hart Murphy, you've got this ground down here. If you've got a reserve team and you've got 15, 16 people in that squad, say half of them are young lads, 18, 16, 17, 18. Their parents are going to come. Their grandparents are going to come. They're going to buy pints. They're going to say, pay a five to get in. You make money. Yeah. Obviously, the pitch here, it's, you know, Gary does a magnificent job, but the welfare, that's a... Because there was talk about when they do the refurbishment and the redevelopment of the welfare, putting a permanent 4G pitch in. Yeah. 
of which I'm not a fan, by the way. I mean, that's 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 another thing altogether yeah. for competitive football. But certainly at Northern League level, it probably wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, you've got you've got two pitches there, though. Yeah, and obviously up until a few years ago, until South Shields took over Hart and Welfare, you had teams playing out of there, and they, that ground was up to scratch to play in the WSA League, mm-hmm. to play in Northern League too, because it's got the floodlights. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. why not have a reserve team? I just don't get why they haven't got a reserve team. We did. Because because Lee Paul and, and and Davey ran the team. It's because that's how you learn the style of play that the club wants. So when you when the you only player you know exactly how to fit in. The thing is, if you've got for me last year, Alex was here. There's 22 kids in that academy squad. 22. Now, if they, they can't all play on a Friday or a Wednesday when they play the games. So if they're not playing, play them on a Saturday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they don't, they're having to go out on loan to other teams. But what was happening last year was they were going out on loan to other teams. And because they were playing for another team, they would get dropped from the academy team because they played for a team on a Monday or a Tuesday. So they couldn't play on the Wednesday. And it, I just, yeah. I just didn't. I didn't no, it didn't make sense. I think there's a perfect example of that. Hodgson and Jenkins are playing from Morpeth. Yeah. Who play mm, like Saturday. quite the opposite style of football that yeah. South Shields play. So. Yeah, yeah. But that was. Thomas absolutely right. I mean, I'm ancient history, but I've played this stats, so that'll tell you how good. Um, but we we played in the Wearside League in the days when Sunderland, Middlesbrough. Garlic and Hartlepool all had their reserve sides in. Yeah. And we had 17 and 18 year old lads in our team playing again on those grounds in that league. And some of them went on to become pros, you know. Of course. And it's a whole lot different. I, I, I've seen quite a few academy games because my grandson's, or was in the academy down here, he's left his board out of, out of, out of his head. Over. And uh, as, as Tom was saying, it's all just like. It's not even up to the level of schoolboy football until they get to about 17 or 18 yeah. and their physique's there and then they'll loan them out. Mm-hmm. So I think they've lost their way a little bit with the academy. Well, the, the only player that I know of who did play a reserve game was Julio Walker. He played at the welfare on one occasion for the reserves right. when he's come back from injury, I do believe. I do seem to have a recollection. Yeah. Um, but I know it was very difficult at the end because Lee Paul and, 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 and um, I'm sure it was Dave was with him um, I could be wrong but there was the two of them and um, it was tough at the end for, for, for them running the reserves it was a tough gig I can't remember exactly why it was but it was a tough gig I think the last season of it was it might have been Julio's last season as a player I'm sure that was the last time we had a reserve team so uh but it was, um, but no, like you say, there's always ways where things can be improved. You never know, somebody <laughs> might be listening to this. <laughs> I, just, I just think for the benefit, for me, Socials Football Club, obviously, they're bringing lots of lads in from different areas and they're getting good money, mm-hmm. obviously, because they're, they're playing at professional level, yeah? Now, is there not kids around here who they could nurture? There's kids with talent who could eventually, or hopefully, play in your first team mm-hmm. and save you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Well, I mean, they've, they've invested so, all this money in this academy. 
Well, we've no, seen it, haven't we, Mark? We've seen it when you look at the not just a lads from our academy coming through, struggling to make it. Players like Connor T, who were brought in from Leicester's academy, they've, they've been so absorbed by academy football playing on carpets every week, and they come to some of the teams we were up against in the lower leagues and it is a really tough gig isn't it to I, make think, that? Well, I think someone the other, like I think the other strong point about the Tom idea is there's a lot of lads who get either rejected by professional clubs or they take longer to mature and maybe then it's not until they're 21 22 23 even yeah when they start as big players now if you had a reserve team will be mixed age group from 16 if you're good enough up to say 25 and I'm sure there'll be plenty of lads who are playing in Northern League or wherever but happily join the club with the facilities like Shields even playing in the reserves knowing that they've got to step up yeah. if there's a chance yeah, yeah. and I think that's a trick that we're missing and are you, are you by the way um, Tony Pullis yeah, yeah. has written a terrific report on this very subject saying yeah. that the academy teams are a waste of time. And he said the academies know, they recruit all these kids and they're in the academy and they know that 99.9% of them are just there to make the team up so that the one good player can go through the age groups until they think he's going to make it. Aye. So he said, you know, it, it, there's a lot of faults with the academy system. Yeah. So you have to think thought was going to be the answer to everything. And I think it's completely wrong. You look at how... So we look at Xiao <coughs> Gomez. Yeah. He still hasn't. Looks like a fish out of water. Yeah, he has, but he's still. It's a bit of a one-trick pony for me. But um, there's no one, you know, there's no one from our academy yet. Might happen, but yet who's become like. There's one I thought would be in the first team this season. Mm. McGowan, obviously. Didn't but he did, he, McGowan McCann. wasn't in our academy, no, was he? No, no, he was. No. McCamley, he went to Huddersfield and he. He's at Look at all the lads we had who had that. What do you call him? He was at Sunderland. We had Aaron Thompson. There's a, that lad that we had was in. No, he was. Um, England. Was in Sunderland's academy. He was England, England, England schoolboys captain, the fair haired lad. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. No, he was he was he was the one that he really struggled. Are you talking about uh, Wright? Aye, Dan Wright. Dan right. Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I was going to ask because obviously you were at Newcastle, and then it obviously doesn't doesn't work out, and you have to fall down the leagues. What we see here is people like Connor T, who was at Leicester. You've got um, Mackenzie Heaney, who was like for England and Newcastle he was going to be the next big thing it must be just so hard for them because they've been built up at an early age and then let go mm. now they've fallen down the leagues it's like you've got to have a lot of mental kind of strength to to cope with that which is what you no you, you do you just it's just reality as well though because like to myself I mean I'm going back <coughs> 30 odd years ago I knew, I knew when I got released by Newcastle, yeah. I wasn't good enough to play at that level. However, you've just got to take it on the chin and then you've just got to say, right, well, I'm going to go and play at this level. You look at the likes of Kevin Phillips. Kevin Phillips 
non-league football, yeah. working in a supermarket, all of a sudden, what, 22, 23-year-old? Mm-hmm. A couple of years later, he's winning the Golden Boot. Jimmy Vardy, another one, you know, there's Ian always, Wright. There's always hope. Yeah. Yeah. Ian Wright. Yeah. Huh? He's 22. Yeah, yeah. I think right. we get players. I think the Northern League would welcome Shields reserves. I do as well. You don't want to call them Shields reserves, give them a different name. Yeah. So Shields A. <laughs> so Shields A. I think it's it's heartbreaking sometimes seeing some of the players that come here from the, the top clubs because you can just see they're mentally shocked. Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. do. Yeah. You do. I agree with you, Ronnie. But. Being, seeing what I've seen the last couple of years when my son's been down here, I also see I, it's the, the academy is quantity over quality. Mm. They're taking far too many kids in well, who are not good enough. That's what Tony Pulis said, isn't he? They're charging a rich kid like it's 40 odd quid a month to be in the academy. Yeah. I don't know if anybody knows that. The, the coaches are paid from the money that the parents pay for having their kids in there. It's kind of like a babysitting club with football, really. Yeah. What I've seen of it. Mm-hmm. And my grandson just lost all interest because the coaching was repetitive and he was wanting to play games. And it was, you know, some of these coaches living out the fantasy of being a superstar coach. Mm. And they're not. Uh, it's it's set up all wrong. Yeah, I don't know whether this international academy is going to produce some star players from America or not. Does anybody any know anything about it? We can't use any of those players. Uh, so that's Nathan's right. No, no. It's it's because we're working with in conjunction with Southern University because they're a student and not working yet. They can't play for a full time team because it's a cost to have a job. So therefore, we can't produce any players until they're. Uh, but we can't have any of those players until they've finished the degree. But at that time, any team, the likes of Man City or snap Chelsea, them. they can snap them up as well. The, the, the point in having the International Academy is to have money from it. Because it's, I mean, I don't know how much it is, like actual figures, but I mean, if you're thinking about an actual degree as an international student, it's, you're probably looking at about 30 grand per student. So, and they're, they're looking to take in about 100. So what you're saying is it's the reverse of what happened in America. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a good footballer and you're recruited by X university in America, you go over and you play virtually as a professional in the college leagues. Mm-hmm. Twenty thousand people watching you, etc., and you get all this tuition paid for. So yeah. apart from obviously, I can see Jeff Thompson's sense in it. It's going to bring. 30 students each paying 30 grand and we get half of it. Well, it was a, Jeff did say it was the game changer, you know, it was, it's, it, it's taking the club on its way to becoming financially sustainable. If, if, if it's, it's possible we'll get some of the players, but if we're looking at the players, I'm sure that teams couldn't high with the league. So you couldn't play with them as amateurs? No, no. The, so the, women, the, women's, the, women's who, the, the women players who come over, they can play in the, the respective women's league. Uh, they can play, yeah, because it's not full time and it's it's a certain division that they can play. Because yeah, so we, we play now, we are classed as an elite. So if you remember, during COVID, you know, National League North and South continued to play, mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. it was classed as elite football. So 
We are now the elite. The elite. Mm. We are the elite. Far cry from Jack Clark Park on a shitty Sunday afternoon, Paul. I know. And we even ended up at Gypsy's Green one time. Did you? Aye. Uh, we turned up. We turned up at Jack Clark Park, and uh, the change rooms that had been vandalised, and I think there was some storm damage to the change, so we ended up having to go to Gypsy's Green to get changed and then travel back up <laughs> to play at Jack Clark Park. That was the good old days. But I had to see you on about, we were talking about Tom Manson before. Yeah. And there was a class story in them days. Remember the La Strada? The La Strada nightclub in South Shields? Yes. Well, Paul Headley obviously used to play for them days. That's right. And Paul used to sponsor the team. So he always used to meet me outside the La Strada. Anyway, you can imagine, can't you, this day, it's a shitty day. We're heading down to Cleet Amour. I think it was a January time, February time. Tom Manson's standing and he's waiting. He's waiting for three lads. I'm not going to mention no names, right? So he says, right, these three. He tells the guy in the bus, hold your horses, right? He says, I'm going to go and find out where these three are. So anyway, he's gone to one house because he knew the three of them would be there. So anyway, he comes back. He's, you know what Tom's like? He was steaming. He says, you know what it is? I was banging at the door. He says, and the three of them were hiding under the window sill. <laughs> and he says, and I'm looking in the window, and he says, the three of them, I can see their heads hiding under the window sill. <laughs> and the, them three never played for Shields again. Really? Nah, he, he, done, he done them. He, uh, that was it. Uh. And then I remember the same day, we went to Clitamoa in the shitty old days. We played at Clitamoa, it was knee deep in mud, right? And we're goes in the shower, right? And the showers weren't working. A little trickle, as you can imagine. And that was that, but I three of them hiding under the windowsill and Tom's like, he pulled his hair off. For those who don't know, Tom Manson had a big beard. That's what beard He hasn't got it now, I don't think. But he's got a big beard and he had like a mullet hair, ah. like the long hair. Like, not too dissimilar oh, to yours. Oh, from some photos are there. Yeah, and, uh, I've got to ask a question. He was a fearsome looking fella, wasn't he? Yeah. Did but he tell you about his playing career? He, he never did, but he, he I, remember, I remember when my dad was refereeing one time. And this is the first time I ever met Tom Manson. And what happened was, in the late 70s, my dad refereed this semi-final. The first game had been abandoned because there was fighting on the pitch. So my dad was a pretty tough strip referee, yeah, my dad. Yeah, yeah. So they give him the replay. Tom Manson ran Whitburn, and there was another team from Heaven. And they played at Heaven at, um, what's it called? The... Anyway, Rero. the Machupa. Rero. Oh, Machupa, Mountain. Yeah, Mountain. So they played there, and the game went on. Anyway, this kid done this tackle, and I still remember to this day, in my head I'm thinking, this guy's going to hit me dad like. Mm -hmm. And my dad was right out with his notebook, writing the, the guy's name down, and sure enough, he punched me dad. This huh? kid, aye, this player. So the game got abandoned again, and I remember Tom, because like, he liked me dad, he got on really well with him, and this, the kid got sinned, uh -huh. He got sinned, aye. And that was like, I was only a Ben at the time, wasn't he? Was eight, pretty, nine. He was a pretty useful outside left. I played the same team for a few seasons. Who was that, Tom? Uh, and, uh, and the team was Norman Howie, the Howie brothers, father. Bob Gidney, if you knew him. Oh, I know Bob, I knew him. I've still seen him in the cricket eye. Lovely fellow. Bob used to score about 40 goals a season. Yeah. But, uh, but Tom was like <coughs> full, full on, like 100% every game. Yeah. And pretty useful. He was like having a change. He was a kid when, you know, when he started. Yeah. And then he I left years, years later. But uh, Henry's brother, good lads. Good lads. Yeah. You see, you've got a question for Paul Ronnie. Yeah, I was doing some, the I was doing, doing some research. <laughs> <when he had laughs> <a good laughs> mind. Not a lot. And uh, I typed in 
Paul Thompson Muller. Hey. So I'd quite like you to talk us around <laughs> how on earth you kept that the way it was for so long. Because I had lovely long hair there. Yeah. There's photos there with me long hair. Is that a colouring book? Oh, I just stuck them in there. There's just old. There's an absolute <laughs> belt somewhere where my hair's like, oh, there it is. Look at that one. <laughs> David Ginola there. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, how so did I keep it like that? How much maintenance did that um, oh, set you back? Oh, a few washes. In the morning? A few Vidal Sassoon's here and there. Hair dryer and that. For those of you who don't know, there's, there's Tom Manson with the beard and the hair. That's Tom. Unbelievable. Great, great character. And Oh, there's Paul, of course, with John. Is that Porky Brown? No, that's Keith Adamson. Keith Adamson. Yeah. Uh, there's just a few old things in that. In the, We're in just the looking books, through his scrapbooks and different stuff. Where was that photo you had there? Was the springy fringe to head of the ball a bit more? <laughs> I don't know. Nah, nah. <laughs> it was just the fashion. It was the Chris Waddle fashion at the time, wasn't it? And that photo was in the. That was I've seen that. That was re reprinted the other night. That photo there with, with a very different looking David Fall, oh, yeah. Davy Fall there. Uh, where's that photo with the hair? The Ginola one. Aye, the Ginola one. Was it in that one? Oh no, uh, no, that's it there. Oh, there it is, there it is, there it is. Yeah. It's going to do the rounds, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one and all. You like a barbarian? There's the game there, was it? Keep them work. Keep them work too. South Shields like 5. There's the ones I was telling you about. New me with the Newcastle United strip on. That's in Northern Ireland when we won. That's the team photo from Newcastle United back in 1986. Obviously, you've got the likes of Gascoigne and them on there. Peter Beardsley. There's Paul Ferris, who you were talking McCreary, about. McCreary. Yeah. Roder. Unbelievable. So, Paul, yeah. thank you very, very much for, no, no for, for, for joining us. It's been great to have you. Just a, um, Looking back through yesteryear, mm -hmm. there were good times. They were brilliant. Aye, and it was a thoroughly, different club. I thoroughly enjoyed them, and obviously... Like what I talked about before, my heart is I'm a Sunderland fan. Yeah. But I, I, when I played for South Shields, I did my best. I gave me all, and my heart was always in it. I loved playing for South Shields. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Can you that, Ronnie? He's cheered me up, no end. Aye, thanks. Yeah, you've cheered me up. Aye. And we've gone an hour and 15. You could always talk though, didn't you? <laughs> well, we've had some good chats. That's what it's all about. I was still on, yeah. well, we're still on. And I mean, it's not that long ago that we used to share several cans at the oh. cricket. Oh, you've caught now. Do you remember that time we watched the World Cup? Oh, hi. Social Shields Cricket Club. Yeah. They decided yeah. it was the World Cup, though. Remember, they yeah. went in with a £2 a pint. Yeah. Aye. I decided to drink with you and. Um, <laughs> Didn't end well. That's <laughs> <laughs> good fun though. But you're drinking Coke, Diet Coke now? Yeah, I've got a car. Oh well. Oh well. Got a but um, Ronnie, thanks very much for your input again as always. No. I haven't caused any marital problems, have I? Oh no, I'm being busy, are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much. 
everyone for joining us tonight and thank you very much for everybody who's listening. Thank you for, for listening. Ronnie and I will be back popping up somewhere next month. Who knows where, who knows when, but sometime in October we'll go out together again. Never but stop. Never stop. Um, but for now, from Paul, Ronnie and myself, Chris, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. It's bye for now. Thanks for listening to this Mariners podcast. There'll be another one along soon before you can see it. Robert Briggs. <laughs>